your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to ATP. James here, joined by Alex. Following Everton's unbelievable, improbable 1-0 win against Chelsea at Goodison Park. Everton have beaten Chelsea in four successive Premier League games at Goodison. Best winning run at home against the London Blues in the league since 1973. And just to highlight how good Everton's home form has been. As of late, contrasted, of course, with our horrible away form, only and losing two. We will hear from Ryan and his son Max in a little bit, who were, of course, at the game and hopefully are still out celebrating on Goodison Road. But before we get into our instant match reactions, just a reminder to please like and subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. If you want to find all of our links to social media, you can find them in the description or go to linktr.ee slash Pod. And if you want to join our Discord server, which you absolutely should, you can find it at invite.gg slash ATP or via our link tree. Now, with that, we'll go to Alex. Alex, you said this morning you woke up feeling dread, some uncomfortable, sick feelings. I certainly was feeling the same after watching Burnley Watford. Watford choking and blowing a 1-0 lead putting us at the time five points adrift in the relegation zone. But this was a special day at Goodison, no? Yeah, we knew from the jump, all of the correspondence we've seen through the week, the fans were about to put on for the team, if you will. (laughs) And, you know, from the jump, as I said, like, I woke up very, very nervous, but you open up Twitter, you want to see what what squad is is lining up for the match today. You see Goodison Park, obviously the fans um, were ready for the match, and it felt like, you know, it was going to be a special occasion all I can say it was it was probably one of the most important set of three points we could get this season. I think it it brings a lot of momentum to the squad who, you know, I think we all can agree had a, had a pretty good outing against Liverpool last time out. So it feels like they really built upon that um, with the team's full support. I was absolutely shaking it full time, partially because of four cups of coffee, but mostly because of the scenes at full time of Goodison Park. Absolute pandemonium. Yeah, man, it was such a critical three points I said in our post-match tweet for instant match reactions probably the biggest three points for Everton in multiple decades really because had we lost this you know you're truly five points adrift with you know games in hand but you don't really trust the hypothetical points on the board with this Everton side but I think you said it right Alex look there were some definite positives that we talked about following the derby at Anfield I think we carried a lot of that over home and the fans did a tremendous job. Frank said in his post-match, fans were man of the match. We may slightly disagree. We'll pick a man of the match at the end of the episode, but I think this was said really well by Robbie Earl, a part of the NBC sports soccer team on TV, who we don't often compliment, but he did say, Chelsea didn't come here with a chance. They played 40,000 plus 11, and it truly felt that way. Um, And then just at, at a last bit, you know, Patty Boylan from The Athletic, friend of the show, (laughs) <laughs> tweeted following the final final whistle said mainly a slow a form of slow torture and it really like that last half hour truly felt like that and i just added on and said it's like being waterboarded but you get a nice treat when it's over that treat being three huge points 
Um, before we get into the lineups and the tactics and everything, we did have a lot of correct score predictions. So loving the optimism from our Discord server. Uh, Mersey Blue, Jay Shea, Sledvigs, Mike Drop, Caramel Crunch 10, Sick Nellers, Blade Runner 612, and pat myself on the back. I also got the one nil. I said at the time one nil because I'm in denial. Uh, it turned out I was just clairvoyant. Um, that's that's got to be a record for how many people have gotten a correct score prediction. And I think the craziest part about that is the fact that it's a win against Chelsea at home when we're in 18th place towards the end of the season. Yeah, I think it, it's this. I think that's seven people. That's I think t- maybe tied for the record. We may have had eight once or twice, but yeah, loving the optimism, the conservative optimism. You know, you're not predicting a three nil or anything like that, but the one nil, it counts for three points all the same. Um, before we get into the lineups and the actual match, I mean, we do owe it to the unbelievable fan showing outside on Goodison Road. Uh, and even before match day, right, last night, you had the scenes of fireworks being set off at the Hilton downtown where Chelsea were staying. Tuchel and a couple other players mentioned they were woken up a couple of times in the night. You just love the fans doing their part, those uh, mind games, the disruption, doing everything humanly possible to set up the opposition and then i mean the videos from goodison road the flares the singing the coach having to inch its way through the streets because there's so many fans it truly looked like you know we most of us i know you and i have seen howard's way it looked like the scenes of like an fa cup final like the way the team was being welcomed it was unbelievable it was like unlike anything i've ever really seen and this is for a team who have been incredibly disappointing for most of the season so I don't know, Alex. Give me your thoughts on sort of the fan showing prior to the match. No, I mean, it, it was goosebump. I know I saw, like, after the match, uh, people were sharing, like, Alex Awobi's Snapchat story or something like that of, of the team <laughs> inside the bus as they're, like, pulling up. And you saw, like, Damari Gray and Gordon and, obviously, Awobi were pretty ecstatic at uh, at, at the, the showing. You heard, like, people, you know, slap it on the bus. And then, of course, it pans to Delph, and he's just, like, stone-faced. And I guess that's not too exciting for <laughs> Fabian Delph. <laughs> but either way, I mean, it was just – it was so exciting. I saw a ginormous G- uh, Jordan Pickford one uh, banner in the stadium before kickoff, and that turned out to be uh, pretty telling, right? Uh, something like it's written in the stars or maybe written in the stands, if you will. Um, but then, of course, we saw that really fun picture of the dog just being hoisted over the fans walking down uh, right beside Goodison Park. Um, and I think we now have an official mascot, at least, uh, well, maybe an unofficial mascot, if you will. Yeah, I don't know whose dog that was. I need the backstory there, but <laughs> just a, what will go down is an iconic pup right there and a very, looks like a very good boy or girl as well. Uh, I'm not sure what was going on in that dog's head as it's being carried above the fray of like 10,000 Evertonians, 20,000 Evertonians. But, uh, you know, I guess we'll never know. And it was a good omen without question. And with that, let's talk about the setup for the match. You know, Chelsea coming to town, sitting in comfortably third place in the Premier League, though now after today's result, they've got some competition nipping at their heels. They've won four of their last six. They drew against Manchester United 1-1 on Thursday. Look, they've been comfortably pretty much this third best team in the league all season. They're third in expected goals, second ahead of the Reds across the park in expected goals against. And really their defense has has carried them for large stretches of this season, um, but recently has looked a little bit more suspect in that they've given up four goals two times in their last five matches against both Brentford and Arsenal. And before that, they had only given up more than two goals once all season. They gave up three to West Ham and a 3-2 loss. So, Cracks starting to show in Tuchel's, you know, famous 
defense, which he shored up following the departure of Frank Lampard. Haven't even talked about the fact that this is Frank's first time facing his former club since they fired him last year. Um, and in terms of Chelsea's lineup on the day, Tuchel forced to make one change. He drops in Golo Kante, who was injured in the match against Manchester United, and decides to bring in Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Uh, no sign of Ross Barkley, thankfully, the rat. Um, and, you know, th- just in my reflections kind of before the match, it's it's hard not to think back to when we went to Stamford Bridge earlier in the year and scrapped a 1-1 draw on a Jared Branthwaite goal that was, by and large, our only really good chance of the match, and we were kind of obliterated. I think it was like almost 3xG for Chelsea against 0.4 for us, but still managed to get a result. And we always seem to, you know, put up a fight at home against Chelsea and make things really difficult for them. Chelsea's lineup, you know, they play uh, a 3-4-1-2. They're going to use Reese James and Marcus Alonso to get up the pitch, provide that width. They effectively play as wingers. And, you know, they watched the match against Liverpool. We all watched it as well. No surprises in terms of the dominance and possession for Chelsea, but Frank Lampard also elects to make a couple of changes to the Everton side. Yeah, it was uh, a little bit surprising. We knew that uh, Andre Gomez, Donny van de Beek, and, and Godfrey were all going to be out for this match again. So there are only two changes to the starting lineup, and that was uh, Delph and Mina come in for Alan and Michael Keane. I'm not sure I was expecting. I think I looked, you know, I thought it was going to be maybe like a 4-3-3, you know, 4-2-3-1 type of thing, or maybe a 4 But in reality, you know, our defensive setup ended up being a pretty clear 5-4-1. And naturally against Chelsea, which being on the, on defense for the majority of the time, and that may even be an understatement. Um, so, James, why don't we get into the tactical setup of the match? Yeah, I mean, we basically, the, the big surprise for me, or, or maybe it wasn't surprising, but I think the biggest change was, you basically had Seamus Coleman playing as a right center back. And then Alex Awobi, rather than kind of playing more in the midfield, was playing kind of that right wing back position, which he did last season like under Carlo pretty effectively. Um, and just a touch of that pragmatism from Frank, which was useful. And then, of course, you had Mikolenko on the other wing. And I'm not going to lie, every time Mason Holgate's part of our back line, I feel incredibly nervous. But I thought he did a, a pretty composed job today. And really, that back five was kind of the foundation of everything going forward. You then, of course, had um, Decore and and Fabian Delph sort of protecting, shielding that line, and then Gray, Gordon, both being asked to do quite a bit defensively as well, and Richarlison leading the line. Um, the pressure was, especially early, really intense. You could tell we were trying to ramp up, trying to win the ball back in Chelsea's half, uh, while still allowing them to can command most of the possession. And Chelsea just kind of do what they did. I think after they weathered the initial storm, they settled in and were able to dominate possession. But on the counterattack, similar to how it was in the derby, we created some really solid chances on the break and were forcing Chelsea into some bad turnovers, I think, that were enough to give Evertonians hope. And the game also started rather positively, which we'll get into in just a moment in the timeline. Um, Really heavy on the right-hand or left-hand side for Everton, rather. 42% of our attack coming down that side. And then Chelsea attacking, mostly via Reese James, um, Kai Havertz, Mason Mount drifting over onto the their right-hand side, our left-hand side as well. But all in all, I think fairly balanced in terms of the shot distributions. Um, we had 67% of our shots come inside the 18. So getting opportunities in good areas, and though really the one that we made count was off of an individual error from Aspilicueta, 
Um, we had moments throughout the game, and it really could have been, you know, it could have been, this game could have been 5-5. Like, it really felt like there were so many big moments, big opportunities for Everton to score, huge saves from Jordan Pickford, who was just probably his best game in a blue shirt today. Phenomenal. Um, but we'll touch on all of those big saves and all those key moments. Alex, you have any other thoughts on um, this tactical setup before we get into the timeline? I like the setup, the look of the setup, um, at least from the jump. Um, it looked like, as you said, like the constant pressure, but also like the defensive shape um, allowed us, you know, the the ability to, pre- you know, place pressure and, and talk about how that plays out um, in possession. So the match starts. Uh, Goodison Park is roaring for the Blues as kickoff happens. So we get the opening kick. And Richie contests the header, which falls to Gordon. And he ends up driving near the Chelsea box and immediately wins an early free kick. The crowd is going wild. It felt like a great occasion. Uh, Gordon ends up taking it, but it was off target, unfortunately. Yeah, it would not be the last time Gordon uh, kind of flubs an opportunity on a set piece on the day. But it was really positive to see us immediately winning stuff, getting calls outside of the box. And it was a clear foul. Um, After that, you know, uh, needless to say, it was a frantic frantic first probably 20 or so minutes um and and really Chelsea's first real chance comes in the seventh with Mason Mount it's a little bit of a uh, fallout from a ball in the air it comes to Mason Mount he fires from way outside the box curls it just over the bar a little bit nervy but you know from that range he's certainly capable of scoring from there but Chelsea really struggled to create chances that were let's say a little bit more high percentage the next big moment of action in the 17th Seamus Coleman, looking like a man possessed this entire match with his level of effort and intensity, he makes a neat little run down the touchline, skates away from Alonzo, skates away from a couple other Chelsea players, and then Rudiger just comes in and bundles him over and picks up the first yellow card of the match, which was really key because Rudiger, you know, being occupied, Richarlison with the pressure, our forwards looking to selectively pressure in in on the break oftentimes it really affected how Rudiger was able to play for the remainder of the match to pick up a yellow that early it was a key moment clear foul and Seamus Coleman could have also picked up a yellow at this moment because after he gets taken down he kind of shoves Rudiger in the back uh luckily there didn't Rudiger didn't make more of a meal of it and the referee I guess didn't see it but that was I think a sign of things to come in terms of the combativeness between the two sides oh yeah it got chippy early I mean well, both the the boys in blue were essentially fighting for every second ball. I mean, like you said, just insane pressure. It was organized, and and they did it as a team. Then in the 35th minute, you know, antics continued, if you can say that. Mina gets pulled down by Mason Mount. Uh, Mason Mount gets up and then elbows Yeri. Then there's another scuffle, right? Quetta just goes off, and I think he starts, like, kind of going towards the referee and maybe even pushed him a little bit or something. Coleman gets involved. Uh, kind of, you know, get out of his face, like, you shouldn't even be involved in this situation. And somehow, both yellow, which I think was really harsh for Seamus Coleman, because he didn't really think at all, and as Aspilicueta's response to, like, how Mason Mount's yellow was, like, way over the top, in my opinion. Yeah, and you had before this, you know, Mina just a round of applause for him because he was just sending Chelsea players off into just losing their minds. There were a couple moments on set pieces where he and Havertz came together. The referee had to intercede and get between them. Mina, you know, there's been plenty of players who have spoken out about how annoying he is to play against. He'll just like pinch you. He'll grab you. He'll say stuff. He'll trash talk. He'll do all of those things that you hate as an opposition player and fan, but love when it's a player on your team. And it felt like this was just another example, as you said. Mina gets pulled down, but like Mount, what's he going to do? Like the size discrepancy there is pretty hilarious. 
and then Yeri just draws the elbow and, and makes it look bad. And it wouldn't be the last time Yeri picks up or draws a yellow from a Chelsea player on the day. Um, but yeah, that's what basically four yellows at that point. You have Rudiger, Mount, and Aspilicueta for Chelsea, and then Sheamus for us. And then just a few minutes later, just before the break, Delph, little late on a challenge on Mount. Um, ends up not being that much actual contact on this one, but he clips his foot and picks up a yellow just before half, which you never, in a game like this when we're off the ball so much and having to go into challenges with so much intensity, a little worrying that Fabian Delph picked up a yellow, and he had thrown in some crazy challenges up until that point, sliding, diving all over the place. Um, so that was risky and a little bit scary going into the half, but nonetheless, we escape into halftime, nil-nil. Probably couldn't have asked for much more from the Blues at that point. Four to three in shots for Everton. You know, 64% pass accuracy to 87 for Chelsea. But this is very similar in a lot of ways to the Derby, where we're just comfortable to let the opposition have the ball and take our moments and hopefully seize them. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the stats kind of tell the story, right? Like 24% possession to like 76 or so. But I think, you know, and, and that pairs with the past success to just show you it was it was a bunch of clear defending, um, careful defending from Everton, right? A ton of clearances. We were not going to take the chance, and I'm glad we didn't because we couldn't afford to. Um, but, you know, they, they had us on aerials, one dribbles, tackles, etc. It felt like we were going in the halftime, and obviously we should have been thankful for a nil-nil, but, but the XG was Everton point two point one three. So possession, regardless of how we may have felt, oh, the football was not flowing as you maybe want it to, the intensity of the press, like the desire was there. The team was uh, playing together as one. And at that point in time, I mean, it was pretty clear that, you know, we as a team were, were in it to win it, I think. Yeah, and, and as much as it pains me to say this, you know, for certain stretches of that first half, when Chelsea kind of sucked the air out of the stadium a little bit, like the Goodison crowd went a little quiet for spells, and it was a, a little worrying that they would just kind of seize the momentum eventually. They have all the ball. They would just eventually break us down and break through. So it was, a re- I think, a relief to get to halftime. But also, it felt like we were well and truly in the game. You know, we weren't scrapping for a nil-nil draw. There were goals to be had for both teams. And it felt like it was only a matter of time before one team was able to break through. And it turns out, just after the break, we would do just that, thanks to Cesar Aspilicueta's foolish lack of discipline and lack of decisiveness on the ball. And it's also Richarlison with a unbelievable effort to press from the front here. Um, Aspilicueta just dallies on it a little too long. Richarlison seizes the opportunity, hits it to Gray. Gray theoretically could have been in, but he lays it off one touch for Richarlison who slots it past Mendy, quick as you like. Right at the start of the second half, we take the lead. The flare gets thrown on the field. Richarlison throws the flare back into the crowd. And at the time, I'm not sure who it was on the, in the announcing booth, said that was not wise from Richarlison. But it was a great image. I'm sure everyone's seen it at this point of Richarlison, you know, cocking back the flare, ready to throw it. The celebration, slapping the badge, all the beautiful things we love to see. But we'd be remiss if we didn't note the fact that seems like the FA is going to now investigate Richarlison for that flare throwing. What do you make of that, Alex? To me, it seems a little bit, it seems stupid, I'll be honest. Just in regards to the goal, right? How many times do we see this team come out after the second? It's the opposition that score one very quickly after, right? After the break. So A, it was like beyond exciting seeing Everton score. Obviously, what an important goal. But just at that timing during the match, it felt like it was something that we deserved. And it was extremely important to do that early on. I loved the scenes of the flair. Pretty nervous that like the the FA are going to handle the situation because 
Um, you can't really argue that it wasn't, you know, that it, that it was in any sense of the word, like a an okay thing to do, I guess. Um, but either way, and I back him 100%. Um, but then, you know, a couple minutes later, we kept the pressure on, right? And in the 49th minute, Awobi gets a throw into Gordon near the Chelsea box. Gert, Gordon has like a range of direction, starts driving and finds pass into court to wide open Mikalinko on the far post. He tries to meet it with his left foot for a one-touch finish and doesn't get it on target. And I think, and I mean, let me know how you're feeling, but I think at this point in time, like my stomach drops to, well, I won't even say where. Yeah, I mean, I threw myself like on my floor when he missed that. I was about to scream and jump and run around. And, you know, it, you can't understate how important it is for us to score the first goal, right? Because we saw what happened in the derby. We were so compact and so difficult to break down. But the second you concede and then have to chase the game, you open up and leave yourself suspect to conceding yet again. Whereas this time we score first and then immediately apply the pressure. Goodison's rocking. I think we really seized on the momentum from the crowd there and the energy from the crowd. And you set up the perfect chance to go up 2-0. And basically at that point you can really just pack it in. You don't have to worry about scoring. 1-0, you're still a little bit worried. The game still hangs in the balance. And it sucks because Mikolenko, and you know, that would have been perfect for him to get his first Everton goal. Not his strong suit getting forward, as we all well know. But yeah, just just brutal to miss that one. But it wouldn't be the last chance Everton had, even though at that time I felt like it might be. A hundred percent. Like when Chelsea go down, I mean, they they were not gonna you know go down without a fight naturally. But next, it was just more grafting and grinding. Um, in the 59th, about 10 minutes later, swings in across the left hand side, and, and the ball dropped out at the top of the box who goes for a half volley and then ends up dinging off the left post you know pickford pickford essentially dives for it but doesn't make it so the ball ricochets off that post to the far side who has aspilicueta running in you know from 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 the right pickford somehow sprints to the opposite and makes an insane save off aspilicueta sure that they had scored i mean this ball was probably you know threes from passing the goal line and what an absolutely insane moment, an insane save from Jordan Pickford. Crazy, before we get into more, is why he deserved that banner today. Yeah, I mean, God, dude. I was so scared when Mount took it. It hits the post. And you're right. There's so many amazing things about this save. You know, he puts himself in a good position to stop the Mount initial shot. It takes the craziest bounce to go completely across the goal. So he's on the ground. The ball is on the opposite side. It's basically a wide open net. And the route he takes to like approach this save, he like goes into the net behind the goal line and kind of scoops himself out so that he's able to get his hands out to block the shot and keep it out in the ground he covers in such a short space of time. I mean, with the context and everything going on in the world of Everton right now, it felt like, you know, some are calling it one of the best saves of all time. Uh, it felt like it could be right up there because of the the weight of the moment and how devastating it would have been to give up a goal there for him to stop it and again it wouldn't be the last time he was called upon but that one really felt you know like a, a lifeline extended to Everton the announcer said it was like Jordan Pickford scored a goal effectively and you can say that it felt like that sort of same heaviness and importance yeah and, and then 30 seconds later Chelsea have a corner obviously 
the ball falls to Rudiger at the far post, who who takes a shot. I don't know how far was he away, like one yard away from the goal, and Pickford was, makes an insane save. It was like point blank. Right, but 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 the save comes off Pickford's face. Okay, he make, he makes himself big, a, a heroic attempt at a save, which comes off, but it's clear from a shot that close, straight to his face, like he could have been knocked out. It, you know, like it, it was not a good situation. You know, Pickford obviously goes down and he um, kind of off screen. Mikalinko goes down and they kind of cover that as well. But at this moment, I'm pretty scared because I thought Mikalinko to that point was was having another good game. And obviously Pickford just came up insanely well for the team in, in, in the last couple of minutes. And so it felt like maybe we wouldn't be able to continue with those two. And that would have been a huge. Yeah, it could have very easily been a concussion for Jordan Pickford. It is straight into his face, right into his cheek. And Mikolenko had been, I think, limping a little bit just before that set piece. And then he makes he, he ends up being involved in the shot from Rudiger because he makes like a slide challenge to try to stop it. And yeah, he was down and Pickford seemed like he was more rattled than actually injured. Mikolenko was down and like, you know, looked maybe even unresponsive. But fortunately for Everton and for, you know, both of them, they're both able to get up and continue playing, which was a huge relief. You know, I don't know what we would have done if Mikolenko had to come off very limited depth in that position, as all of you listeners well know. Now, we fast forward seven or eight minutes, and this is where Thomas Tuchel says, okay, I've seen enough. It's time to make some changes. And he takes Aspilicueta off. He takes Timo Werner off and brings on Christian Pulisic and Hakeem Ziyech, uh, two guys who can certainly change a game individually with their ability on the ball. And I was I was scared because they clearly have a lot of quality coming off their bench. You got Captain America coming, and you, the last thing you want is for him to do something that would you know, sink us. It would just be totally devastating. And it felt like from the 68th on, it was batten down the hatches, and let's just try to see this one out because Chelsea – really ramped up the pressure and intensity. Yeah, no, as you said, I mean, pretty spot on. Uh, they were definitely getting frustrated with some of their random, you know, shots outside the box with with barely any hope, et cetera. But it wasn't short after in which Frank made his changes. So in the 71st, uh, Delph, um, obviously probably a good sub. Again, we know that he's been managing Delph's minutes. Um, and then, you know, 10 minutes later, Richie came out, uh, who was kind of limping quite a bit. Uh, for Rondon, who I think we can agree, Rondon put in a pretty good shift off the bench um so so how do we feel about just this timing do we feel like he left it a little late any complaints about the personnel themselves and, and the swaps uh because it seems like you know the, the players that came out were kind of out of necessity more than anything yeah no i i honestly think frank got it kind of spot on today i don't think he left it too late you know he let Tuchel make his move saw out kind of what they were trying to do and then countered it and obviously delph on the yellow makes complete sense to bring in Alon. Um, and I thought Alon brought fresh legs and a different level of composure to that midfield in the dying minutes, which was so important. And then Richarlison, he was just done, right? I mean, he had run himself into the ground. He'd gone down with cramp. He'd been limping. He hurt his foot. He battled for his entire shift. And at that point, it just felt like we really needed the outlet in Solomon Rondon to help relieve some of that pressure that Chelsea were putting us under. Just hoof it out because that was clearly the strategy at that point and let Rondon chase it down and then also kind of renew some of the pressing um, from the front that Richarlison had brought up until that point but just wasn't able to provide anymore. Um, so I felt good about the subs, Alex. I don't know how you felt. Yeah, no, I, I you pretty much hit it nail on the head. I, I felt good about it. Um, you know, Rondon offers us an outlet and that he was able to get onto whether that was just like battling physically forward or he had some nice um, trying to hold the forwards the end of the match. I'm off the clock. Um, but then, of course, 
you know, Yeri Mina, he was living inside Kai Havertz's head this entire match. You know, they had a little bit of a, they had a little bit of a, you know, spat or whatever. Just gets in his face a little bit. And then Havertz pushes him and Mina goes to the ground and Havertz gets booked for it, which was a really funny moment. Mina made a huge impact uh, to the Chelsea players, Chelsea front line. And, and that's one of the things that we love. And I talked about in the last couple episodes, but we don't have enough players like Mina. We miss him for not only his defensive ability, his leadership skills. We miss him for the bastard that he is. I'll say it, bastard. Because love, that's ours. Love it. Um, you know, Alon gets a nice interception in the midfield and immediately passes it to Ducore at the top of the box, who slides Gray in. He has a really nice shot kind of at the top of the box. I mean, it barely fizzed over the cross. But that right there again, I mean, as you said it, you know, the team were still grinding for it hard in the 85th minute. And and although it didn't quite come off, it was still promising to the click reminder to Chelsea that you are you are flooding guys forward. You've made these attacking subs. Like, we're still here. We still have um, the ability to counterattack effectively and very, very quickly. Yeah, this is where the um the the Paddy analogy of torture and like wa- my reference to waterboarding really took place because I was standing, like I was watching between my fingers. I was so scared, and then you're right. We would have like the hilarious Yeri Mina antics, which I just love him to death. So glad that he is back. And again, it seemed like he was battling through some kind of injury as well because he had stopped it multiple times. Seemed like he might have been cramping up or had maybe re-injured his hamstring or something along those lines. So for him to battle through was so important. And yeah, just the, uh, I think the announcer announcing team on NBC said he went over like a giant Oak tree when Havertz pushed him. And it's like, that's just so fitting. He's just a big guy. But when he just, when he draws the contact, he just flops and you love to see it. it brought me a tremendous amount of joy as did uh, Gray's opportunity, which I thought he was going to slot into the back of the net, but unfortunately hits just high. And again, it wouldn't be the last chance. Yes, Chelsea are pressing relentlessly, and we'll show some of those stats in a second to kind of indicate how really one-sided it was. But we had these glimpses, these moments of opportunity that we really could have put this one uh, 2-0, 3-0 and made it very comfortable. And in the 88th minute, Gordon gets out wide open on the break. He's got Rondon alongside him, but he decides to take it himself from a bit of a tough angle. Forces Mendy into a save and earns Everton a corner, which I don't know what happened on the corner because, it, you know, when they showed play again, the corner was like Chelsea had the ball. It was very strange. But again, just Gordon, who I might add, ran his absolute socks off and looked gassed. So for him to find the energy in the tank, to make this bursting run forward credit to the kid, even if he wasn't, you know, at his most effective today. Um, and then the last, you know, we get to the 90th Alex and the referee holds up the board and I'm thinking, okay, well we had the injuries. There's been a lot of time wasting, but I did not expect seven freaking minutes of stoppage time. Crazy. Yeah. It felt absolutely, I was anxious. I, I was shaking. Like you can see it on Frank's face. You know, the commentators were talking about Frank, you know, welcome to gray hair. But I think, you know, we weathered the storm. I think we had, you know, some players are making a lot of good decisions. As you said, like Gordon, you know, taking the decision to shoot and earn the corner. Um, that, you know, that obviously saves a lot of time. And we had essentially just one major, uh, one major key event after that. And that was in the 91st where pick makes another big save on Kovacic shooting from the six yard line, held the ball well on towards the end of the, uh, towards the upper end of the pitch. And, and Delhi comes on in the 93rd minute from gray, but didn't necessarily have an impact. Uh, I think he made a challenge and, and, and committed a foul early on coming on, but otherwise it was absolute scenes. Once the whistle finally went. 
Alex, you're forgetting one one key moment which should not uh, go without mentioning, and that is when the ball went out of bounds and the guy stuffs it in his shirt to hide it so that Chelsea can't get it. The time wasting from the crowd. And it had happened earlier in the half as well. There was a guy who just you know faked like he was going to throw it to the Chelsea. I think it was to Mendy for a goal kick, and then he just like threw it completely off into the stand. So, again, the fans doing their part to the very last whistle. Um, the huge save from Pickford in the 91st again on Kovacic, who had made a nice little give-and-go move. It was pivotal, and Chelsea were fighting till the very last minute to equalize. They, of course, were not able to do so, but that gets us to full-time, and NBC Sports <clears throat> did an awesome job with immediately following the whistle, showing the crowd for what must have been five or so minutes straight, just the scenes, the fans celebrating, the people hugging, the singing, it really felt like, you know, you were almost there in person, even though we weren't like Ryan and Max, which I'm very jealous about, but not bitter about. Um, but, but just to kind of highlight really the onslaught that Everton were under for the last 30 odd minutes of the match. From the time Chelsea made their double substitution in the 68th, it was 81 to 19 in possession in favor of Chelsea. 87 to 45 in terms of pass percentage. They outshot a 6 to 2. And then similar in a similar vein to the possession stats, no Everton players had more than 15 touches in that last 30 odd minutes and there were six Chelsea players with more than 20. So, they had the ball a lot backs to the wall, outshot us. We had our couple mi- minor chances, but it truly was so critical for us to see out that result and get to full time. Yeah, and in the the, you know, are not much different right nine to 17 in shots and um, we were pretty even in in aerials one and decently even in tackles Um, but the xg at the end of the match because we pointed out that everton everton ended with 1.09 xg to chelsea's 1.39 so not crazy result by any stretch of the imagination like passes pass accuracy possession all that good stuff aside don't create the chances um you know don't get me wrong pickford has crazy saves uh, that definitely earned us the three points, right? But it was not some, you know, massacre that ever were able to just luckily pull out of. That was, you know, essentially Everton made their own luck today by pure grit, determination, you know, passion. Uh, the fans obviously pushed them over the line. And I think they're really good performances. I'm with you. I mean, it wasn't pretty. It hasn't been pretty for some time. But now you can tell that there is a clear plan in place and there's an identity with this team. They're going to be nasty, absolutely brutal to play against for the opposition. Make their lives hell at every opportunity you get. And that is exactly what the doctor has ordered over these last few matches. And, you know, this this could have gone multiple different directions. Thanks to one man, England's number one, Jordan Pickford, who had five saves today. Two big chances saved, four shots from inside the box saved, a couple of claims, a punch, a couple of clearances, and six successful long balls to top it all off, finding the outlets on the break. Um, I mean, we'll get to man of the match in a second, but I don't think there's really any other contender than Jordan Pickford, if I'm being honest, because without him, we lose that 3-1 and we're going down. I think it's almost that simple. Obviously, there were other players who contributed massively, but he just, in those critical moments, he was there, and he galvanized the team, I think, with that. Yeah, you got you got to admit Pickford, and he's been a pretty consistent performance, performer Excuse me, this season, the best performance from him all season, and, and rightfully so. We also had another big one from Yeri Mino. We talk about you know how much we miss him when he's not in the side. I think 
Uh, a lot of people saw the stats floating around this week, right? We've got double the points per game when Mina's in the team versus when he's not in the team. We've talked about his antics and the fact that he was in Kai Havertz's head, which was funny to see. In terms of you know statistics, he had a key pass. He had 76 accuracy and interception, four clearances, a couple blocks. But also, funnily enough, because we talked about it, you know, Havertz got the yellow, but he also won three fouls, the big man, uh, really putting it in, uh, sticking it in, uh, sticking in for the team. Uh, we had Spirit today, said it all season long. He's an absolute beast, and I have to agree with it. Big up, Yerry Mina. Long may it continue. Yeah, and it's not just him as an individual, in my opinion, and, and others, you know, have pointed this out, but it's also that whenever he is in, his defensive partner in the center looks also a completely different player. Mason Holgate, not anywhere near like a man-of-the-match performance today, but I also have no moments that stood out to me of like, the things you expect Mason Holgate to do, lapses in judgment. He had one pretty rash challenge, I guess, where he gave away a foul that was not necessary. But beyond that, he was pretty resolute, strong, and I think that's Yuri Mina's influence. You know, defenders, when they're playing alongside him, just feel that much more confident because they know he's able to cover. They know he's able to do all of the, you know, things you expect from your partner. And it feels like there's just a different level of trust with Yuri Mina and a different level of uh, synergy between him and the, our other defenders. So awesome performance from Yeri. Hopefully, you know, his limping around at the end isn't anything significant because we're going to need him healthy. And really managing his minutes is going to be really important. We're looking ahead to Leicester, of course. And we've got a couple huge, huge, very winnable matches. So keeping Yeri on the field for as much as we can without any risk or minimizing risk is going to be huge. Um, but a couple other players or a few other players who I think deserve mentions Damari Gray, he gets the assist on the Richarlison goal. I really didn't think it was one of his better matches, but he gets the key pass. He had, you know, f roughly 60% pass accuracy. But uh, I think, Alex, and you mentioned this, you know, some of his defensive efforts, you know, working off the ball, um, three tackles, he had an interception, a clearance, and a block. We know Damari Gray doesn't love playing defense, no secret, but when he was called upon today, I think he did a pretty good job. Yeah, I thought he did a fantastic job. And to be honest... You know, other matches due to lack of effort to defend. I just don't think that he's the best on defense, plain and simple. So I thought that, you know, he did the dirty work when he did it well, um, which was good to see. Now, here's a man that I think has been very inconsistent this season, right? He started off the season really well, and then he's really tapered off. Um, obviously, he's been used in different roles depending on the setup. But Abdullahi Decore today... Three key passes. He was tidy on the ball for the most part compared to most of his teammates. Sections in a block. He had a very good game uh, attacking and defending. I thought he was um, positioned himself well to combine with his teammates uh, and overall had a good um, a good effect on the match for the team. Yeah, his ability, I mean, again, we, I've said this a hundred times on this show, but he just pops up everywhere, man. Like he's involved in build up in the opposition third in the final third and then all of a sudden he'll come back and he'll make a defensive stop or a tackle like he's just all over the place um and i think you know it's gonna be tough to figure out kind of what our best midfield combination is but it felt like him and delph kind of had something going there for a minute you know delph sitting a little bit more allowing decoray some freedom to get up and down and um i thought in the first half decoray honestly was rather poor but in the second half you know as he's his superior levels of fitness start to really show themselves he's able to influence it more and he certainly did just that. So good on Abdullah. Really happy with that. Um, Alex Wobi. I don't know how much more we can say. You know, Ryan gets so much stick for having defended him. 
He's now, I think, without question, one of the first names on the team sheet in this Everton side down the stretch. Uh, asked to do something dramatically different. You know, he's been playing in a central role. He's been playing in a winger role in some instances. Today, he was asked to play kind of a wing back role, and he led the team in touches with 47. He had a key pass. Pass accuracy, 65%. A dribble, a couple tackles. You know, an interception and three clearances, like nothing that jumps out at you is wow, but his work rate off the ball, like he just does the hard, thankless work that goes unrecognized so often. And I feel like he deserves, you know, a round of applause for that because and it, it feels like, you know, the, the fan base has started to finally give him his dues as his performances um, have have deserved. Yeah, you know, I saw when, when the team was lined up, you know, Alex Awobi had a smirk that he genuinely could not hide at the fan. And, you know, it brings me back to last season when once to a lot of his critics was saying that, you know, he's playing right wing back under Ancelotti in his preferred position. He's playing out on the wing position. But today, at right wing back, he didn't look out of place at all. He good defensively. He took care of the ball well. Um, I remember one instance specifically where he actually got to what's slightly in the center of the pitch. And it felt like, you know, he was the guy that could make something happen. So either way, I mean, he did a great job. It didn't look like he was mad about it at all. Now, you know, we got to talk about the goal scorer, Richarlison. Um, maybe on the stat sheet didn't show out, but he did what was needed to be done. And on the score sheet, at least, will will look like Everton's hero. He had two shots, one on target, which ended up being a goal. It was a classic Richie finish off the left-hand side, passing into the corner. He had five aerials won, which was the most on the team. The next best was just one, um, which is kind of surprising. We talk about Richarlison playing up top by himself, and then he had an interception and a clearance. Again, nothing crazy on the stat sheet other than the goal, but that was the most important of the day, and obviously um, the celebrations matched the energy inside the stadium and probably the excitement at the goal from the entire team. He's just the most likable player we've had in a really long time. Like, you cannot, cannot say anything bad about this man. He works his butt off. He might go down a little easy sometimes, but he does all of the things you could ask of him in positions. And again, like, after that first half, I was thinking, okay, we probably should maybe bring on Dominic, maybe bring on Rondon and figure out a way to get Richarlison in those wide areas because as a nine against the big center halves, against Thiago Silva, against Antonio Rudiger for Chelsea, you know, you don't think that he can maybe have that much of an impact. And then he just puts in this ridiculous sprint to win the ball off Aspilicueta and lead the press from the front. And you just love him. It's going to be a sad day, sad, sad day when he leaves. So let's enjoy every last match we have with this man in a blue shirt because he's something special. And, uh, you know, again, you, just so lovable and likable. And, and when you've got the fans singing the song, he's Brazilian. He only costs $50 million. You know, there's nothing really like it. So much love to Richarlison today. He will go down in the history books if the rest of the season goes the way we all want it to as one of the key men to keep Everton up. Uh, last man on our list for performances to highlight, Anthony Gordon. Got involved a lot, Alex. He had 46 touches, which just one behind Alex Iwobi leading the team. Had the three shots. He took a lot of set pieces that were a little bit wasteful. But 76% pass accuracy, a couple dribbles, a tackle, six interceptions. Here's the killer, though. Three bad touches and six dispossessions. Um, I don't know what you made of his performance, but it feels like still a lot of the time he refuses to make the easy pass and just tries to do everything himself. Like he wants to be the hero or feels like he has to be the guy that single-handedly saves Everton's season. One interception, um, six dispossessions. But, you know, the reason why I think we highlight those stats is 
you know, it's it's not necessarily a terrible thing that he lost the balls. We know that we were mostly counterattacking. It's not like he had a ton of support all the time. But as you said, I think just the main takeaway is the fact that sometimes he dwells on the ball uh, a little too much. And, and that's probably just due to inexperience. Um, obviously, he's 20 years old, starting for Everton in season, which, you know, I don't think anyone expected him to have even half the amount of game time he did. But overall, it was an exciting win for Everton. Everton are still in 18th place with 32 points total. So ahead of us are Burnley and Leeds in 16th and 17th, respectively, with about 34 points. So in other words, they're two points ahead. We've got a game in hand. We still have plenty of ground to make up in the table. And, you know, I think that a lot of the the real difficult fixtures, at least on paper, but why don't you run us through that we have coming up and and kind of how we're feeling uh, to finish off? Yeah, look, it, it's it's funny because, let's see, we just had a... We've taken 12 points from 11 games against the top six this season, which is mind-blowing, right? With this result, it gives us four out of six against Chelsea. We took four out of six against Manchester United. Um, there have been some really strong performances against some good sides, and it's just the killers. I mean, look, we've lost 19 matches, and a lot of those have been to the sides in and around us. Um, to close out the season, we, of course, play Leicester City in just over a week, and then we really, this is the run that's going to do or die. It's Watford, it's Brentford, and it's Palace. And you would say, okay, those games look incredibly winnable. Uh, Watford essentially have nothing to play for. They'll clinch relegation probably very shortly unless they manage to somehow beat us. Uh, Norwich, of course, guaranteed to go down as of this weekend. So it's really us, it feels like, in Leeds because I think a lot of people are worried about, you know, Burnley have turned their season around completely over the last couple of weeks. Leeds have a very tough run in and are potentially, you know, I believe as of today now with our win, odds on favorites ahead of us to go down, to be the third team relegated. So, our fate is in our hands, as you said, Alex. Um, but as I said at the top of the, the show, those hypothetical games in hand have not been kind to us so far. But hopefully this serves as a platform for what's required for the rest of the season. But really what it comes down to is we need like four points away. We need to get points away. We've had six all season. We're going to have to almost double that to really feel somewhat confident about our chances of survival. I don't know where you're at on that, but... You know, the Anfield performance, although it was a 2-0 loss, feels like, you know, there was there was a glimmer of something there that I think maybe we can seize on and build momentum. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and you know, the very last fixture of the season is against Arsenal away. And Arsenal is probably going to be battling for the top four towards the end of the season. So did beat Arsenal at Goodison this season, as, as you were mentioning, uh, our, our solid record against the six so it's just about consistency and my main concern is we got to keep guys healthy we got to get a couple more guys fit again maybe Davies, as, as he mentioned could play a, a little bit of a part uh, so with all that said let's hop into some listener comments we first had Jaden sherman at mr shermanator eight wow just wow that has to be one of the best goodison atmospheres of all time pickford richie were heroic huge huge win couldn't have said it better myself Jaden. And then we had Sean Kahn, friend of the show, at KingKahn225, member of our Discord as well. Pickford was legendary today and gave us one of those immense days you need to pull out a gigantic result against the European champions. Yeri was excellent and Mason did well. Team showed incredible effort. Don't think I saw Gray ever work that hard defensively. Amazing UTFT. So good. We had the main man, Alan Brody, as exhausted as though I've run a marathon. Need to see that kind of effort away from home now. Man of the match, got to be Ryan. He's overseas. 
Yeah, we had a lot of people saying that he should either A, leave Max for the rest of the season as like a talisman or just extend his trip. Uh, we haven't we've pushed him on it to see if he'll give a response. He has not confirmed or denied that they will be extending their trip. Um, we had uh, Michael Potter at M Potter 44. Gray grafted. Coleman looked like he was rested. Rondon, great sub appearance. Holgate, less rash than expected. Pickford, Mina, Richie, MOTM. Pick three, men of the match. We may be bleep, but there's no cowards on that team. Season tickets should be free if we stay up. What an atmosphere. I'm not sure about that last one, but I mean, I wouldn't complain. And I'm sure the Goodison faithful wouldn't complain about free season tickets. Yeah, I don't think our financials are going to allow that. Uh, any- <laughs> yeah. I would love it. I would yeah. love it. Uh, and then lastly, we had Peter Rabbit 68. And he said, well, that was proper Goodison. Awesome performance all the way around. I love the nastiness and toughness of the last outings. And Pickford earned his annual, annual salary with that one. UTFT. So, James, without further ado, a man of the match. Let's hear it. Anticlimactic. It's Jordan Pickford without a shadow of a single doubt, actually. And then the fans. You got to give the fans a secondary man of the match, as Frank Lampard did, because that atmosphere is something special, man. It it really was like next level type stuff for a team that just has been so frustrating all season. We've got the best fans in the world. I don't have any doubt about that in my mind. Yeah, we've got no dueling opinions on this episode. And, and, you know, I just want to make a small comment about the fans themselves and just say, you know, his first match against the club as, as manager with a with a win. Important because he's been he's he's been able to do an incredible connecting with the fans this season. I think that connection, you know, his him calling for Goodison Park to be bumping. And, and obviously, I think the fans would do it anyway. But I think he has a huge part to play in, in how we've been so supportive at Goodison Park. Uh, to just give a shout out to the manager. He did a great job today with setting up the team. And obviously the players were really happy. You know, Richie gave him a pat on the back at full time. Love the shout out. There's still a chance, folks. Everton's fate remains in their hands. And we will, of course, continue to monitor the situation closely. And we'll be with you following the match against Leicester City, hopefully celebrating another victory and another three points. We appreciate you very much for listening to this episode and hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. And remember to subscribe to the show as well. If you want to find all of our links to social media, link tr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. You can find it in the description, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at USA Toffee Pod. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. As always, we appreciate you. We love the toffees. Up them. Until next time, up the toffees. <laughs>